Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, the podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm Colin Parker, one of your hosts. And I'm James Anderson, your other host. On this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, or day by day, until the end of time. That we are, James. And today, we're jumping into... Hang on, I'm going to double check. This is the first time we're talking about Luke Cage, right? Yes, it is. Okay, cool. Just double checking. Um... And today we are starting a brand new series. Burr, burr, burr. Ah. Colin, I love you. Thank you. Hey, thank you. I appreciate you. You. Uh, <clears throat> it's De- it's Denise. It's Denise. Denise these Okay. Uh, anyway, so uh, <laughs> Denise. Okay, here we go. Uh, nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. We're here to talk about Luke Cage. Season yeah, 2, episode 11. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to get right into it, shall I? Let's uh, do this it. This is starting at 4 minutes, two, no, four minutes 26 seconds and ending at 8 minutes and 1 second. And here is what happened. Kingston, mid-80s. Kind of wild for Luke Cage uh, writers to just determine an entire decade mid, but, you know, it's their show, so they can do what they want, I guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> after a few establishing shots, we end up at a hotel pool, or a resort pool, technically, um, as children play and adults lay out tanning and or reading, and a young man walks by with a stack of towels. A child begins splashing, and a young woman turns, yelling at him, Stop it, Corny. You got my hair wet. Cornell! The child stops and says, May May, get in the pool. The young man with the towels blair, uh, blankly stares on as another young woman approaches, yelling Johnny at him to get his attention. When he finally turns to her, she says, Go talk to the bell captain and get more bags. It's a holiday, you know. You still have work. She shakes her head at him as he silently walks on. However, as he approaches the resort, he finally turns back to her and says, Auntie Ingrid, where's Mummy? She dis, uh, she dismisses that and says, go. Johnny walks on to do his tasks when he overhears a conversation. Character named Gwen says, you can't ignore me. It's my turn to speak. Uh, but Mabel heads back with, you asked me, you already said too damn much. Johnny steps to the door. A man turns to Mabel and says that Gwen is being fairly reasonable and that they should settle. Gwen talks about how she stayed gone and out of the way, especially after what they did to Quincy. Mabel retorts that Quincy shot Buggy. Gwen hits the table and stands, pointing a finger in her face. Show some respect, you murdering, thieving bitch. Whoa. That's very quickly, right? Uh, Now everyone except Mabel is standing and yelling some variation of what I just said. Whoa, 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 and settle down. Okay, hang on, calm us. Let's calm down. Trying to de-escalate the situation. The white lawyer sits back down saying that both deaths are tragedies. Uh, All Miss Ivor is asking for is for her fair share of her late husband's estate. The black lawyer states that his client doesn't owe anyone, including her, anything. The first lawyer produces a napkin signed by both Quincy McIver and Buggy uh, Buggy Stokes that Harlem's Paradise and Bushmaster Rum would be a 50-50 split. But Mabel isn't having it. There's a conversation about the plans they all had, and Mabel uh, instead speaks down on Gwen, the resort, and the island. They go back to talking about the settlement, and when they mention the 50-50 split again, Gwen is laughed at. The young woman that the child called Maymay earlier appears and taps Johnny on the shoulder, asking him for a drink. 
before she tells him that someone, sorry, before she tells someone that he's been listening in. He does what he is told. Um, I want to point out basically just the, the one thing that I want to sort of get out of the way here immediately. Uh, yeah. It's just a simple fact because at one point he's kind of like, listen, like, if, you know, if this goes to court, like if you guys don't settle here and we open up the books in court, which they definitely don't want to do because of, you know, very right. clearly not good runnings of the books and stuff like that, um, she would get 50-50 because that, that, uh, that napkin is legally binding. You know, like that. Well, they talk about how everyone, like uh, Pete, the uh, right. you know the, the guy was in was playing guitar that night, Correct. and Mabel was also there. Right. Like they were all they there. Had yeah, witnesses. Yeah. yeah, there's witnesses. Now, granted, the problem there is an issue there in which that if they get to Pete, Petey rather, um, right. which is funny because we literally just recently in an episode that aired rather close to the day that we recorded this, which is. Uh, Wednesday, April 19th, or I guess 420 for James now. Yes, uh, blaze it. Blaze it. Um, hmm? Soon. Um, for, for for this. Uh, right. For for this show, yeah, for, for sure. Oh, I see. Yes, yeah, yes, yeah. yes. Right, yes. That's a cool yeah, little oh. sneak peek. Oh. Hmm? That joke was fire. <laughs> no, that'll be something else. Uh, anyway, so um, no, but like you know, if they get to PD for sure, they could be like, "Oh, he was there," and if he's like, "Oh, I didn't see it," mm, right? People lying right. in court. But again, yeah. either way, having it signed, yeah, yeah, you know, that's all the proof you really need, I think. Um, and by I think, I mean for sure that that's a legally binding yeah. thing. In fact, most places also find legally binding uh like verbal contracts especially if you like handshake on it right they most most states still consider that legally binding um or like so interesting effectively a legal contract um yeah although again Hard to prove i would imagine again that's definitely like a witness thing yeah but like if if there's people in the room and they see you talk and shake hands on it then they can go yep um but uh and i'm sure there's ways to confirm whether or not you know Someone agreed to something, but right. Um, I think a lot of that kind of dates back to you know olden times, you know, very right. like you know chivalry type situation of like, well, you right. know, I'm a man of my word. Then yes, of course, this is legally binding. Yes, the um, good job, Jeffrey. English common law, the, the court Probably. court appointed. There was a there's a thing, but there's an English uh, law t- text that basically all American laws are based on. Right. And I can't think of what it's called, but that kind of thing is the kind of thing that's in that book. Right. Um, and also actually, uh, nowadays the, the same application of verbal agreements has basically been applied to emails. They now consider that to be like a written form of, so like if you agree to something in an email, it's it's right. coming from your account. It's coming from you know like then it's like it's showing that you're agreeing to it and it's uh, right into that legally binding. Um, anyway, that was all that I wanted to say. Um, just before I forgot to mention that fact because I didn't write it down, but it's something that I was thinking about as I was taking my notes. Um, right. But James, what are your thoughts on these scenes or the, um, these clips rather? It is interesting to me. Like, it's interesting to me that the watching it the way that we do it doesn't like it's it's weird to establish the flashback mm-hmm. like but we're seeing it in real time so we we're getting 
none of the context. And it's, we've talked about this before, and but it's, it's like, important. like, oh, wow. Who is any of this? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, fortunately, we keep coming back to, in this episode, we keep coming back to, to this, these people and sort of the, the direct stuff that happens around this and whatever. But like, if you're watching it the normal way, you're like, oh, whoa, okay, we're getting some backstory now. But for us, it's like, here's some story, and then going forward, there'll be more story. And then mm-hmm. at some point, we'll remember this story. And it's more like life, and I really like that a lot. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Um, yeah, I, it is very funny, I think, to like to have that establishment of like, oh, cool, who? You know? Yeah, um, yeah. Because, okay, this is what makes that funny to me, right? Is that when you're watching the show regularly, yeah, you kind of keep going, man, I wonder why this, I wonder why that, I wonder why, you know, whatever. Then you have this flashback and you go, oh, cool, right? Because there's like context right. now and you're like, whoa, okay, now we know, right? right? But in the same way, like, yes, it's going to be a long pause, but like for you as well, like if you're watching it in this way, you're going to go, cool, who are any of these folks? Right. But then when you flash forward, you know, 30, 40 years and you find some people and then you hear someone drop a name and you go, oh, that's this right. person. And then you go, right. okay. And then you see some stuff and you go, oh, and so they have interesting. And then like, then they'll get to the next thing and go, and that's also what they talked about. Ooh, okay. So it's right. like, you know, it's, it's the same kind of reveal, but it's like a much slower burn, which is very fun. Right. And we had that with, with Dottie and, and, mm-hmm. uh, Peggy Carter a little bit. A little bit, um, yeah, yeah. But like I'm almost thinking I want to have like a a almost like a a, a musical stinger of like we already met them or like mm. they're they're, rem- they're flashing back to something we've already seen. Uh we'll you know workshop the lyrics in in post, but like cuz like we're we're going to reach a point where they're going to get real expositiony with like Harlem's Paradise. They're going to be like, "Oh, the Harlem's Paradise, you know, that club that blah 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 blah." We're gonna be like, yeah, no, we know we've we've heard about very it, yeah. well versed in <laughs> in the Harlem's Paradise and what's going on there and whatever. So yeah, I mean, and also same with uh, Bushmaster Rum. Like, right, you're getting that name right now. Yeah, and like ages from now, when people are like Bushmaster Rum, you're gonna be like, yeah, hello, where yeah. have you been? You know, exactly. It'll be very fun for you. You know, it's um, you know what it's like. I didn't make it through the first episode because it was a weird time for me and whatever, but there's a Hulu show called uh, Wu-Tang, an American Saga mm-hmm. that I think is telling the story of the members of the Wu-Tang Clan forming the Wu-Tang Clan, but it's not doing any in media res. It's starting from the beginning. So I'm like, mm. I don't know who that is. Who is that person? Because they haven't gotten their right. you know rap names yet. Correct. So... <laughs> It's like it's just like a lot of vague story points. You're like, right. okay, yeah. You're like, all right. So interesting. I'm not sure, but like, that's how our show is. But right. with we're 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 turning their nicely couched flashbacks into that sort of like, I don't know. Just hang on for the ride, and we'll see where we end up. It's kind of fun. Um, I also want to point out the uh, yellow tint. I actually, yeah, I didn't write that in either, but I was going to say there's nothing to me quite like filmmaking ideals, right? Uh, Because what's cool is that like there's, it's yellow, but it's not like Mexico yellow or desert yellow. It's not like in, I think it's Traffic, 
where mm-hmm. like when it's in America, it's like blue. Right. And when it's in Mexico, it's like yellow. <laughs> so, you know, uh, America is like a bluer light, right? Right. But it's still, it's still close to effectively neutral, right? Right. That if you go to a place like Canada, it gets even bluer, right? Mm-hmm. So like the, the colder area you get, obviously, the bluer the, the tint of the screen. Um, yeah, but then it's the same thing with like if you watch Breaking Bad, right? Yeah. The further south to like to the border or anything like that, that they get in that show, the more yellow the screen becomes. And especially if they right. then cross the border and go into Mexico, then it's like it's like yellow. You know what I mean? Right. Um, and like here it's like it's yellow ish. It's like yellow adjacent for lack of a better term, but it's also right. really saturated. Like right, you know, like they, they yes. really. I mean, and that to me is it's like, like a the filter, like an Instagram filter. Mm-hmm. Almost, it's like, it's trying to lean into the fact that it's warmer, but yeah. also tropical, right? Yeah, because they're not te- they tend to not do that much saturation in Mexico. It's like it's desaturated but warmer. Yeah, warmer tints. They well, try and, to make everything kind of yellow and gray almost. Exactly, but I also want to point out that. Um, we haven't talked about it because we haven't seen much in Daredevil, but mm-hmm. when the defenders come, yes, we get the Daredevil's red things. Yes, yeah, holy shit, Luke Cage is yellow. Yes, so this being in Luke Cage, it's funny to be like, and they already, you know, it, of right. course, this is almost through the second season of Luke Cage. So like, yeah, they've got it, but like, it's cool to see that they're, you know, we can start looking at that now, right? Um, which is kind of fun. I, I will say, I don't think that there's a I wasn't necessarily thinking that that was necessarily linked to the defenders per se, this particular thing. Mm. Um, but I think it's it's probably a matter of being like, oh, isn't this kind of neat that you probably can make that connection? It, it's almost one of those things where like you can almost accidentally stumble into a decision and go, uh, yeah, no, that was intentional, right? You know, right? Uh, yeah, 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 for sure. You just take the credit for it. But like, yeah, I, I I know we're not at the defenders yet, but I think one of the smartest things they ever did was the idea of like. Even if there's multiple people in the scene, like whoever's sort of taking like the, the precedent of like who's sort of leading or wh- whose story is a little bit more important in that moment, the lighting changes based on which person. Mm. You have your your uh, your red, your blue. I mean, it's like bluish purple, yeah. um, and then yellow and green. Um, yeah, and that's that, so that, smart. So smart. That Chinese restaurant scenes, those yeah. Chinese restaurant scenes, where it's like. They, the neon sign of the restaurant has all four colors so they yes. can do the lighting. Oh, yep. just mm, just so good. Again, it's one of those things where, like, despite what you think about the Netflix series, right? Um, yeah. I think that Defenders had a couple of hiccups in it, but, like, sure. it was, honestly, I really enjoyed the Defenders. Yeah. Like, a lot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, and it's one of those things where I almost feel like if you had just done that instead of each show individually... And then, you know, right. you could kind of like take a sidestep for an episode to focus on just one person, right. build up the story, and then they all come together kind of thing. That'd be fine. Now, one of the more powerful, like, pieces of visuals, I feel like, for this show ever did was, I want to say it's the second episode. It was okay. the second episode where he is fired upon Yeah. in his, like, kind of black and yellow hoodie. Yeah. And, and then, like, you know, and then he stands up fully and you just see a man with a like you know this this hoodie again which is definitely like a depiction specifically Mm -hmm. of modern times um and it's just riddled with holes but like 
he's fine and moving kind of thing. Right. Uh, and yeah, and I think about like that scene and like that's visual often. Yeah. And like, and the way that everyone kind of goes, you know, kind of like, not exactly yeah. gas, but like the way they all kind of like are like, oh, you know, like right. it's not what you're typically used to seeing. And like, it's a very right. powerful image um, in that moment. Well, and and get you know getting back to to this scene season 2 is a lot about like what it's you know the difference between like the Jamaican culture and the Harlem culture mm-hmm. and like where they come together and where they where they split and like sort of like what a you know a feud sort of looks like um mm. and and people that are you know bridging both sides and stuff like that so it's it's a really cool and this is a great, you know, this scene is, is a, it serves as a good prologue, even though it's a flashback. Right. I think like New York as a whole is very much like the, the concept of the melting pot, right? Yeah. America. Like any, any of the big, and I'd be mean like the actual, like, like major, major cities typically yeah. is, especially yeah. ones that are on like coasts. Yes. Because they have the. Probably why they're they are the melting pot areas because of like being port cities having so many more visitors and right. people first moving into the country through those areas and stuff like that. Right. Um, but like New York, especially, I think I think like to me that's like top three, if not number one. Um, oh, absolutely. In America, yeah. for yeah, sure. I would I would I would argue number one. It's one of those things where in recent days could maybe one of like the California cities potentially be at this point because it's also such sure. a huge. Uh, like right. landmark for lack of a better term, but like, yeah, New York city for sure. And then even within that though, th- it's interesting that like that melting pot isn't just necessarily all around. I mean, it is, yeah. but even that, because of what you're saying, right? Like a place like Harlem being more specific to certain uh, areas, you know, of, of different cultures kind of coming together um, as in, it's not just one situation, but um, sure. the idea though of like, the way you see him speaking to multiple cultures uh, or like, I don't want to say subcultures because that sounds weird, but like there's the, the, the culture of Harlem, yeah, you know, and then again, like the melting pot area. And then you have a lot of like immigrants or first generation people there. Sure. Um, even, you know, and so there's a lot of connection there and like there are places where there's going to be some similarities and then other places where there's like not really any at all other than just we right. live in this same space. Um, right. And in a way, his story being sort of this bridge between all of those. Yes. Um, and I think it's very neat the way that they handle that. Yeah. Uh, and like, well, it's cool to watch. It's, it's a, it's a great example of, um, uh, you know, not that it needs to be said, but sometimes it does need to be said. Like just because Harlem, you know, this show is, is full of people of color and specifically black people doesn't mean that they're all the same. And it doesn't mean that oh, they yeah. all uh, have the same alignments or goals right. or backgrounds or whatever you see, you know, it's a, it's a gorgeous look at a full spectrum of people. And like, it's sad that it has to be like, and what a remarkable thing that is. But like, mm-hmm. it's cool that it even got made uh, and got to be part of the MCU and, and, and all that stuff because it's something that, like, I think it's going to, it could, ha- you know, I guess it's sort of over and, and whatever. But like, there's a potential for it to expose people that wouldn't otherwise see this kind of thing 
to this kind of thing, which is kind of good. It's one of those things of like, I'm hoping that with Daredevil coming back, that yeah. uh, I don't necessarily know if we'll ever get full on series of each of these other heroes again. Yeah. Um, but like, I could see them bringing back a Defenders style show. Sure. Um, and doing a thing, kind of like I was saying earlier, of like, focus for an episode or two on just one character or. You know, again, just have them sort of intersperse their stories, you know? Well, I'm saying Marvel Team-Up. Yeah. I'm still go back to Marvel yeah. Team-Up. Like, you could, like just chain the stories together the way that the old comic book did, where it's like, right. here's Luke Cage and Daredevil, and then Daredevil continues into the next episode right. where he meets up with, you know, Misty Knight, and then Misty right. Knight teams up with, you know, Jessica Jones, right. et, cetera, et, cetera, et cetera, Also, Misty Knight, fucking great in this show. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Um, for sure. But, uh, no, but I, I just think that like, or also honestly heroes for hire, that'd be sick. Oh, sure. I would be, I'd be down for that too. Um, or, um, what was the name of, uh, Nightwing? Wasn't Nightwing that Misty Knight and, uh, Colleen Wing mm. made where they couldn't call, they can't call it that. Right. But... <laughs> Anyways. So yeah, I mean Luke Cage, uh, fantastic show. Also, great music on in like they have performances yes. at yeah. the like they'll do full performances and it's yeah. really really cool to, yeah. That that was a very good and cool feature. I mean, again, kind of like you said, like of just like introducing people to so many different things, you know, uh, yeah. culturally especially. But like, uh, but I mean, sorry, I meant like um, culturally in terms of like the area and stuff like that. But then sure. in like. In the clubhouse, clubhouse? No, in the, the club. club. I was like, yeah. clubhouse is not the word, but in the club, like the the music setting also mm-hmm. being, and it's also again not just one area represented. Right. Uh, exactly. Yep. Which is uh, like you know, just I think a good example of like proving or showcasing like that, no one people are a monolith kind of thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Absolutely. Uh, so. For sure. Yeah. Well, hey, speaking of uh, people, cool transition. Um, <laughs> sh- <laughs> should we do good, yeah. uh, an Avengers Ensemble? Uh, yeah. There's a, uh, something I want to talk about these Avengers Ensembles for the Netflix shows going forward that I, I was noticing as I sort of compiled these, uh, which is kind of, uh, kind of in line with what we were talking about. So I'm excited to talk about it. So let's get into it. Avengers Ensemble. Okay, so this is Luke Cage, season two, episode 11. Uh, It's called The Creator. It aired on June 22nd, 2018. Uh, Let's get the title out of the way uh, first. Uh, All of the episodes of season two of Luke Cage are named after songs by Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth. All of the episodes of season one are named after Gangstar songs. So uh, The Creator is a song from Pete Rock and C.L. Smooth's 1991 debut EP, All Sold Out, S-O-U-L-E-D, which is also, All Sold Out is is the name of another episode of Luke Cage. Uh, Usually C.L. Smooth is the rapper, but on this one, it's just Pete Rock doing both the instruments and rapping, and he's Jamaican-American, which I'm like, all right, good. Good. Someone someone was thinking uh, quite... In, in quite some good ways about uh, what to call this one. So um, this episode was directed by Steven Sergic. And Colin, you might be like, why does that name sound familiar? And that's because he directed 
Daredevil season one, episode eight in 1973 with Will, with Bill Fisk. He directed Runaways season two, episode 12 with the weird we're taking, uh, we're kicking you out and I'm taking our child and whatever. He's the big flashbacks guy. We talked He's about the big, that. The, yeah, exactly. He's exactly. the guy that you come to and you're like, we need a flashback of something, right. you know, like that's going to be like a, oh, you know, moment. Yeah. yeah, exactly. He's like, I got you. And they're like, I know. That's why we're, that's why we're here. And he's like, okay. And it's like awkward, but not. All right, so this episode was written by two people, uh, Nicole Morante Matthews, uh, who also wrote six episodes of The Walking Dead and one other episode of Luke Cage, uh, and Matthew Lopez, uh, who did eight other episodes of Luke Cage as a writer slash staff writer, sort of like what we were talking mm-hmm. about like um, before with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think. I think so. Oh, with, uh, yeah, uh, episodes 11 and 12 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we talked about how they were sort of new blood. Uh, yeah, 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 correct, yeah. And then uh, the other thing that, that jumped out at me, and uh, this is a specific shout out to, I think, James and Mike. Um, he wrote one episode of WWE Raw. Interesting. A single really? episode of <laughs> WWE Raw. Uh, it was uh, 20. It was John Cena and The Big Show. Oh, my God. Well, it was, it's a big show. It's episode 23.6. It aired on October 13th, 2014. You know what's wild? What? I was watching wrestling at that time. So I probably That's, watched that episode. You're like, man, this this is so good. I hope that the writer of this goes on to write something for Marvel. Um, very briefly, I'll just say this is that like <laughs> I got into wrestling for a while. If I didn't have so many other things that I was into and trying to keep up with, I might still try and watch it a little bit. Sure. Um, but there was a point in time where I don't know why we got into it, but just we've randomly one week got like free access to like a pay-per-view or whatever. And uh, we started watching and uh, I went to a couple wrestling matches in 2014, uh, both of Raw and a SmackDown um, with Jeb. And uh, I was a big Randy Orton guy. Okay. Um, mostly the, the, the entrance music was great. Liked the Viper, you know, uh, situation. The RKO mm-hmm. was amazing. An RKO out of nowhere every time, you know, good stuff to hear. Uh, and um, we used to laugh at the Big Show's theme music because it's very silly. Uh, and let's see, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else. Uh, Dolph Ziggler. Okay. Under Underrated guy. Um Especially back then. But uh, anyway, that's really all. But like, it's just so funny that like 2014, 2015 was kind of like the heyday of my wrestling time. You know? Well, there you go. It's just wild that like you were, you managed to name exactly like the time that I would have been watching. Well, I mean, yeah, it's, we got to know it. It's Matthew Lopez. That's my Nardwar. Um, Dude, 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 dude. You have to finish it, James, because I did that. I know. I like when the rappers don't know that mm. they're supposed to do that. Do, do. Yeah. All right. So, uh, normal age John McIver or Johnny McIver is played by an actor named Mackay Hewling. Um, this is his only nerdy credit, and truly he was in this and one episode of the Disney Plus show Crossover, or The Crossover, I think. Huh. Um and that's it. But uh, fun fact, he is as tall as me. So tall man. Now, at the time, probably he wasn't. But as of the last time I looked at IMDb, his height is listed as 6'3". So 
Very good. Very cool. Um, young Mariah Stokes, a.k.a. May May, is played by uh, Tori Alexandra. Uh, it is spelled D-R-E and not D-E-R. Um, you know, names. Uh, she was in, you know, a couple of things, but specifically she was in a movie called Vampires vs. the Bronx, which I've heard of and I've heard is pretty good, but I have not checked out yet. Um... Young Cornell Stokes, or Corny, is played by Jaden D. Brown. This is his only nerdy credit. Uh, Auntie Ingrid is played by Melissa Vassell, her only nerdy credit. Uh, Mama Mabel is played by a woman named Latanya Richardson-Jackson. And here's where I got into it, because I think this is the first one, the first credit I was getting into. I said, no real nerdy stuff. And then I said, but is this nerdy stuff? And I was thinking about how Luke Cage and Daredevil... And to, and, and Jessica Jones, and to a lesser extent, Iron Fist, because they're the street level heroes, there's less like the laser and more like uh, systemic racism and stuff. <laughs> like, I, mean, I think it's nerdy in terms of it is a show based off of a comic book. Sure. Yeah, and they have sure. interactions with people who are like, I'm in a suit made of iron that, you know, flies around and has lasers and blasters. Right. But like, yeah, you're right. Like these particular shows are certainly much more grounded. Right. It's it's definitely like, should I be looking for like the video game adaptations, or are these people all in this because, well, like we'll see with uh, Latanya Richardson Jackson, she was in Malcolm X, she was in Homicide: Life on the Street, she was in Juice, and then I saw her first role was on One Life to Live in 1968 when she was 19 years old, which is, which is wild. Um. Soap operas are so fascinating to me because they have the you know their the longevity is the is the same as like comic books, but like they like you know Days of Our Lives can, you know, for practical purposes reboot, but like they can't do like here's episode one here you know here's new episode one on the new arc or whatever. It's like we have to slowly. Build you know, away, work. Yeah. Oh, so I have to go to to Canada for a week, and then they come back, and they're a different actress. And it's right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> anyways, uh, Gwen McIver is played by a woman named Shannon Harris. This is her only credit. Shannon Harris. This is her only credit. Uh, young Ben Donovan, uh, who is the black lawyer, who we will see uh, a lot later, is played by Shandre uh, Hall Broomfield, uh, and this is his only credit. Uh, Pete Stokes or Pistol Pete Stokes is played by a guy named Curtis Cook. Um, he was in three episodes of Manifest, five episodes of Mayans MC, which we've talked about before. Um, it's the spinoff of Sons of Anarchy about the other motorcycle club, the Mayans. Uh, he was in one about episode the of The man. Leftovers. Was that? About the Mayan man. I think that we found out that the Mayan man was in was also in that show. Um he was in one episode of The Leftovers. He was in the, the Leonardo DiCaprio movie Shutter Island. And Ooh. he played a street preacher in Grand Theft Auto 4. Hmm. And then the white lawyer uh, who is named Terrence Rogers. Um, thank you to the subtitles for uh, saying that he, when he was off screen that he was the one talking. Because I would not have been able to be like, who is this? Uh, is played by a guy named Jeff Auer. A-U-E-R, not H-O-U-R. Um, he played Bruce Wayne in a short movie called Robin in 2015, and he was in one episode of The Blacklist. 
So yeah, that's your Avengers Ensemble. When I wrote down the names of all the people I had to talk about, I was like, holy crap, this is a lot of names. And then like, I was done. (laughs) Yeah, you made the column and then you looked at the rows and went, oh. Uh Uh-huh, exactly, exactly. Um, So that is my Avengers Ensemble. Very cool. Well, uh, that's all that I have. So if you would like to overhear... I would let me just point out one more thing that I keep remembering sure. and then forgetting and then remembering again. Uh, Mariah Stokes is reading uh, Toni Morrison's The Bluest Eye, which is uh, a cool, like, it's one of those things where it's like she's reading it and holding the cover up so the camera can for sure pick it up so right. you can get, like, ah, okay, so she's reading this and whatever. So um, I have never read The Bluest Eye myself. Um, I think we had the option of reading it uh, in high school. I think maybe Kristen read it. At her school, um, we read Song of Solomon uh, and uh, in that instead. But anyways, uh, so that is that is it. And now I will uh, slowly uh, go bring those towels to the, the people that are waiting for them because, um, you know, it is it is vacation time and we do need to uh, you know, not just sort of, if you have time to listen, you have time to uh, not be missing giving towels to people. So mm, I see. That's the, that is the saying and... The other saying is, as always, I am James Anderson. I'm Colin Parker. Excelsior. Excelsior.